Welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this pod, we will cover the late pick five from Fairgrounds on January 16th, Saturday. This is show number 103, January 15th, 2021. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, are you ready to handicap on the bayou? I am. A little bit of derby fever. I mean, this is their first of three derby preps, so it's really starting to feel like maybe a normal derby prep season for a change after the craziness of 2020. And not only is there a derby prep, but it's a really good card, an all-stakes pick five. And I want to commend the fairgrounds for putting all stakes in the pick five. I complained on Twitter last time they had a big card because they stuck maiden races in between each of the stakes races. They did not do that this time. It's all stakes and they have some great maiden races. So the people who love to play maiden races, they can be playing a pick four and a pick three and a daily double and, and enjoy those maiden races. And for those of us who would, would rather play an all stakes pick five, um, we have that opportunity. So Great card. Kudos to Fairgrounds for putting together um, an excellent pick five that we get a chance to talk about today. Five of the first seven races at Fairgrounds tomorrow are maidens. So uh, I think Henry's going to be busy early. Oh, yeah. Henry will love that early part of the card. Okay. And we have a special guest. He's qualified for the NHC 10 times. He won the Players' Challenge in South Dakota in 2015, winning 120000 in cash and prizes. He's the other JK, Joe Corey. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. How you doing? Great to be here. Doing good. Doing good. I mean, you know, we're, we're sitting around handicapping. I, there's not too many things that are better than that. No, I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. It really doesn't. Unless you win $200,000 in the FloCal contest like Alan Levitt did last week. And Scott and I had a blast covering that contest. And boy, the pod karma was off the charts because we actually interviewed Alan in the race prior to the final race of the contest. And we had interviewed Ryan Flanders the second to the last race right before that. And they both ended up hitting the 26 to one shot that won the last race and they finished one, two in the contest. So Joe, you need to take advantage of that and play in some contests this weekend because of that part pod karma is real. Well, you know, I intend to, but uh, I, I guess I was kind of blaming you guys for my poor performance in that contest. Cause I didn't get interviewed, you know, <laughs> uh, you're absolutely right. I, I, I mean, I was watching that and I mean, you had interviewed, uh, you know, of course, you interviewed Anthony, I guess. Uh, I don't know when that interview took place. Uh, that, was, that was after he had the lead uh, uh, after the first day. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, having Alan on there, and you know, I sat with Alan at uh, one of the NHC several years back at Treasure Island, and uh, and I never had known him before that, and uh, so I was happy to see Alan uh, uh, win. You know, I thought Anthony obviously played a played a great tournament the whole way, and and of course Ryan's a friend of mine too. So, uh, you know, I was happy with the result, give, given that it wasn't me or you know one of my closer buddies. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we sort of randomly chose the first day's interviews just because, you know, there were people that we knew, uh, including Paul Sherman, who's, you know, always a great interview. And then for the second day, we picked people that were on the leaderboard. I mean, like we contacted, I think, two of the top three. And, uh, you know, it just so happened that Chris... uh, picked Ryan who was in 21st and uh, part one of the reasons for that is probably because he's been on our show before. So we're pretty comfortable with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a good guy and he does a good job with his trip notes uh, thing. Um, so yeah, he, you know, there's just so many good handicappers and, you know, you look at the list in that tournament and I mean, you can, you could, you could have interviewed a whole bunch of people that have a lot of credential. Uh, it was a really, um, it was a stellar field. All right. And uh, uh, Joe, since we usually, when we interview people, we ask them how they handicap. What do you use and what's your strategy? Yeah. So mainly I use formulator. Um, I, I really like to uh, to see who horses have run against and how they've done in subsequent races and formulators, you know, perfect for that. Uh, I also use HTR. I've been using HTR since about 2010 or 2009 some somewhere back then and uh you know i find it very helpful for for races without a lot of form maiden races you know things of that nature so i, I still use hdr uh, and then i use therographs uh as well so i i use a whole whole gluttony gluttony of things <laughs> all right all right well um <laughs> uh... Did you use all three or I guess HDR is probably not out yet. So you probably haven't gotten to that one yet. Correct. For Saturday. Yeah. No, yeah, I, just have the, uh, I just have the, uh, uh, thoroughgraphs and, um, and formulator. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it'll be really interesting to see how we all, uh, handicap the race since we all, uh, are using that tool. Chris, did you have any questions for Joe? Um, no, I mean, I just, maybe I want a shameless plug, but you had mentioned you went back and listened to some of our FlowCal broadcast, um, after, after the fact that you were, you're too busy competing in the contest to watch it live. Just curious to, to hear what you thought about that and, um, any suggestions you might have for improving, uh, future shows if we do them. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so you know, as normal uh, with any uh, you know kind of bigger tournament that I play in, I go back you know a couple days later and and review um, you know review what I did, how I did, why I took who I did, et cetera. And I I thought well you know I'll put some background on um, and I and I pulled up the flow cal and what struck me was how valuable it was to kind of see what was going on at the time you know, back in the midst of the contest and, you know, having, being able to see the leaderboard there, I thought the production value was, was great. And, you know, you could see the leaderboard there and, uh, and then hear discussion that you guys were talking about, 
you know, in terms of strategy and things like that. And it put me right back into the time. Uh, and so I, I thought it was immensely helpful, uh, you know, just in, you know, normally what I do, which is to to recap and why did I make the move I did and what should I have done differently and 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 not result wise, but more strategy wise. Um, you know, and so I, I thought it was I thought it was phenomenally helpful. And and I was just really uh, taken by the production value. I thought it was I thought it was great. Well, uh, we'll we'll relate that to our producer who who was uh, essential in producing. A in, you know, yeah, AJ, he did a great job. Yeah. And Scott, Scott had a lot to do with that as well. I had nothing to do with it at all, but I'll take all the credit. <laughs> well, you know, and then, and then, you know, I'll give you another plug is that, gee, I guess I should have listened to it during the show because you guys just kept giving out winners all over the place. Uh, so, uh, so I, know, yeah. I was like, I was, I was wishing I had been in the contest because now I'm going to enter one of these contests and I'm going to get a goose egg. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't care about goose eggs uh, it, because it means you're playing the right ki kind of horses, but I know what you mean. I, I mean, it's just so much money to play for. And considering we don't really get a chance to travel much these days, uh, you know, I just felt like it, it was a contest that you had to play um, if you had the opportunity, you know, time wise to do it. Yeah, it's uh, it's, uh, I mean, there's so much money on the line that like now I'm really tempted, but I think we're going to be doing the broadcast for the next two. So I don't think I can play. I'm not even sure if I would be allowed to. Oh, good. That's one less uh, that I'll have. To <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get started with the late pick five at Fairgrounds. It's Saturday, January 16th. Starts with the ninth race. It's the Marie G. Kranz Memorial, a mile and a sixteenth on turf, purse of a hundred thousand, fillies and mares, four year olds and up, and Joe as our guest. Let's have you go first. Sure. So, um, you know, the way I I like to break down a race is I first start with uh, you know how I see the race unfold, and so I kind of list out the speeds, the you know the mid packers and the the closers. You know, and what struck me on this race is it just seems like Delika should have the same trip, uh, you know, that she had last time. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of speed in here. Um, you know, I would put her in Kiora, the nine horse uh, forward in the race. Um, you know, I, I guess my main opinion in this race is that I'd be against Secret Message. You know, I, th I thought she had every chance last time and and. Um, you know, uh, uh, couldn't seal the deal, and in fact was passed by both Curlin's message and um, and Kiora. I thought Kiora got third. I, I don't know how Secret Message won that, Bob, but but Secret Message was ahead of both and and couldn't go past them, um, or they both passed her in the stretch. And so that would be my main opinion in, into this thing. Um, I thought that um, I thought Joy Epifora, the one horse, was kind of interesting in here. Uh, you know, and running some grade ones at, in uh, Argentina, uh, that race that, that she ran back at Saratoga against uh, Sweet By and By and Blowout, th those are two pretty nice horses. And this was her first uh, start on turf in the U.S. Uh, so I, I think that horse could move forward, and she's one of two for uh, Nacho Correas. Um, so I'm kind of looking. I'm kind of looking at. Uh, I'm kind of looking at Joy Epifora to to maybe pull off an upset. 
Um, I think Delica will get a good trip. I'd have to use that horse in, in a pick five. I'll use Kiora as well. Um, and then room to finish. I, I know she's coming out of these state bred races, but again, I thought she, she finished pretty nicely in that last race. And, you know, this is a horse that's five for nine with two seconds and, uh, at the fairground on the fairgrounds turf. So that'd be another one I'd throw in at a price, uh, you know, in, in a pick five. All right. Uh, Joey Epifora, which is, uh, a pretty bold pick at 10 to one, I think. Chris, what did you think here? Well, this is an, it's an interesting race. I, in terms of the, the flow, it seemed to me like there's enough speed to keep Delica honest. Cause I think she really had a great trip last time. I think, jo- in fact, I think Joy Epifora from the rail, one of two horses uh, for the trainer is probably going to get sent. So I don't, I think Delica will have to earn it. She also picks up weight in that race last time. We, we had that race on the pod and I know, I think Scott agreed with me. Secret message was kind of a question mark. We thought, you know, they come in after the sale. I thought maybe it was just like one more race and they're sent her to the breeding shed, but they are keeping her around to race some more, but still think there's some question marks around her. Um, and I actually picked Curlin's journey in that race. She ran a good second at 30 to one, kind of had a perfect trip, just couldn't beat Delica. But this time, uh, Delica picks up four pounds and may have more pace pressure. So I don't think Curlin's journey is impossible. But my pick is the four horse Xanthique. Um, I like her quite a bit in here. Um, she has tactical speed and a good post and a good rider. And I think uh, the rails are down on the turf course for the first time in a while. So the inside should be good. And I'm hoping maybe they can get over to the rail um, with this horse. For She's really a turf router. You know, she, ever since they moved to the turf, she's been very good. And they routed her all last year and beginning this year. And for some reason, you know, they sprinted her once at Saratoga and she won. And then they stuck her in sprints her last two races and and she just doesn't really want to sprint. I think she wants to go longer. So they stretch her back out here, which I like quite a bit. She did lose to Dalika at Kentucky Downs, but for some reason, Johnny Velasquez let her get way too far back in that race. Plus, Kentucky Downs is kind of a weird course, and Dalika had another one of these dream trips that she's been having. So um, I I think she can turn the tables, and plus she's you know getting weight from Dalika. So... To me, Xanthique is the kind of horse that might get overlooked in here, and she's much better than her last couple races would indicate, and um, she could get a really good trip. So, and you know, a big price. She's ten to one on the morning line, and could certainly float up above that. So, for me, the the win play is the four Xanthique. That's my pod pick. That'll be my key horse in the pick fives i won't single her but she'll be featured in the pick five if i play it and i probably will okay well i'm gonna chalk out on you guys i'm going with delica and i'm singling her i think she's fast and consistent she was three for six last year and while she's never won two in a row she looked in fine fettle in her last it wasn't even her fastest race she can improve on that effort and boss this group she has speed, but doesn't have to have the lead. Um, 
she just won that one on the lead. Uh, really solid time form, early fracks, uh, early pace figures. And I think she could go faster if she needed to. In her last, she took command, was game. She galloped out even farther away with her ears pricked. I mean, I just, I just, I loved her. I, I, I loved the race and I loved it even better that the number came up not as good as her, her top. Uh, so I'll single her. I, and I, I think Cora is a threat to complete the exacta. She bounced off the gate and bumped another horse in her last. She still ran well as her best race in the U.S., she won a group three in Peru last year. And I think that last race may show us that she's sort of in the best form of her life. She does have a tough post though. So I'm not spending a lot of money on that exacta. Wow. We have all three very different opinions <laughs> on this race. So it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. Yeah. Joe, did you uh, have any, uh, we're, now it's our, our back and forth time. Oh, okay. So if you got any other horses, uh, I, I know you ran through a bunch. On yeah, I, I, mean, I, I picked a whole bunch of them in here. Again, my main opinion was against Secret Message. Um, I, I mean, Xanthique's a horse I think I bet every time she's run um, after the first two races. I was really impressed with her back back when. Um, and she ran against Varenka and Catch a Bid. Um, and I really liked her that day. Um, you know, but but she's lost to Delica a couple of times. She, she just seemed to me to go off form. I do agree, Chris, you know, with, with her routing. I mean, she, I think that's the best trip for her. I just, I just wasn't sure if, um, you know, sometimes these, um, sometimes these fillies or man, you know, now mares can tend to lose interest in running. And I, I just thought those last two were bad. Now, the thing is they were off turf courses too, soft and good. So maybe that's what she didn't like in there. Um, you know, although she did run well on yielding turf back in New York. So I didn't know what to do with her. I, it, it certainly wouldn't surprise me if she runs a good race. And, you know, I'm with you, Scott, too, on Delica. I, I mean, I just think she's the horse to beat in here. And I, I'm taking a shot with the one. But, um, you know, her her and the, the two Correa's horses is how I, I thought about it. Hey, one thing uh, we should keep in mind, the turf course at Fairgrounds today, Friday, is – called yielding so i would guess that it's not going to be better than good tomorrow oh, that's yeah it'll be hard it'll be hard to it probably won't be good this time of year i don't think it ever really firms up because it's below sea level i think all of new orleans is <laughs> yeah. um so <laughs> yeah. kind of tough it's to dry soggy. out soggy. <laughs> yeah uh, but I, i'm not sure it was the going because uh for xanthique she's one run well on you know softer going before i just think it's sprinting versus rallying. i think she's going to really like um stretching out here she's been was very consistent in prior races going long so i'm not too worried about her being off form i i'm just you know to me uh, i just have a hard time ever uh playing or relying on a horse that had a perfect trip and picks up four pounds off that and it's next start against some of those same horses and a few new shooters. To me, that's just automatically a horse I want to try to play against. So I might be just too prejudiced against Delica because of that. Maybe I'm overdoing it. But uh, for me, that's the kind of horse you want to try to beat. Um, 
I, I, that's she may that's gallop. legitimate, you know, especially at two to one. And maybe she goes even off a little lower than that because she was five to two in the last race. Um, so, you know, that's legitimate. I, 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 I see this pick five as a little bit chalky. So, uh, you know, I, I could try to beat her, but I, this is one of the ones I'm not trying to beat. No, I get it. I'm just saying, I'm just telling you my, my, my inclination is always to, you know, a horse that comes off a perfect trip race and picks up weight next time out, you know, to me right away, I'm looking to beat that. It doesn't mean, and it might mean I'm too eager to do it in this case. I'm just saying I might be overdoing it in this case. You might be spot on, Scott, but I'm just sort of taking the flip side of that coin. It's interesting you mentioned weight. I mean, weight is something I pretty much never look at. And, um, you know, it, I, I got to start thinking about that a little more since you pointed out. Um, yeah, I, di- I didn't, I didn't really notice that. I mean, anything I can come up with to be against a favorite, I usually am. And it's usually to my own detriment in pick five. <laughs> as I try to beat all of them. But, um, you know, I think that's part of our, you know, tournament, uh, logic, uh, uh, you know, kind of slants me that way. But, um, see, I, I think this race is a, a little more open, wide open and I could see singling Delica just to take a stand, you know, somewhere. Uh, but I agree with you. I think this pick five is, is kind of short. So this to me would be the race where I'd try to beat the favorite, uh, more than, uh, more than not, but I couldn't leave Delica leak out. Uh, out, but I, uh, I'm willing to leave secret message out. So I'm sure I put secret message in the winner's circle. Me leaving <laughs> out of a race, forget it, you know. But but I would still be against that horse at a shorter price. So, well, yeah, you know, I'm you looking. mentioned you mentioned weight, and that can be sort of a polarizing topic for handicappers. You know, Scott and I believe that weight matters, and I think in particular a race like this. Turf races that tend to be, you know, decided by necks and noses and half lengths many, many times, four pounds can make a difference, especially on a turf course with some give in it, I think. So, um, you know, I, I think maybe sometimes I overemphasize the weight piece, but I do think in most horse races, it can make a difference. It, it's not something that you should ignore just because a horse weighs, you know, 1,100 pounds doesn't mean an additional three or four pounds doesn't make any difference at all over the course of a, a you know, a mile or a mile and a 16th. Mm-hmm. Interesting point. Okay. Well, um, we have an interesting first race. Let's go to the second race. It's the 10th. It's the Louisiana stakes, a grade three mile and a 16th on dirt. Purse of 125,000 for four year olds and up. Chris, what'd you think? This is a really uh, interesting race. We get a lot of horses that were, you know, I think in this race or kind of in races like in the like the, the race coming up, the derby prep we have later on in the card. These horses were some of these, I think, might have been in that race. At least they, some of them were at the fairgrounds getting ready for the derby last year at this time. And you know, to me, this one really comes down to tactics because the eight horse Wells Bayou is going to go from the outside off the bench. Um, Flangero really likes to send horses and he looks like the, you know, the speed in the race, but there's also the four horse Blackberry wine and, and Adam Biscizza has to um, decide what he's going to do. If he let, he's going to let Wells Bayou get the lead and, um, you know, just kind of clear, or is he going to try to pressure him? And I think that really makes a big difference. If 
if he lets him go, then it's going to be really tough for the stockers and closers to win this race. But if he goes with Wells Bayou or at least puts pressure on him fairly early on in the race, uh, it could open it up for several of the others in here. And so I'm going to kind of hope that's what happens. I'm not super confident it will because you never know what these riders will do tactically in a race. But assuming that there is an honest to fast pace, I kind of like the three horse silver prospector. He's the kind of horse I always like to play. I think he's rounding into to form third off the layoff. Um, he should get a really good trip if they do um, go fast up front. Uh, had some back class, actually ran down a loose on the lead Wells Bayou last year at Oakland. So I know he can do that, and he may have to do that in here. He does pick up, he does give a significant amount of weight, so that's the negative with him. But I have a feeling he might get overlooked in here. Uh, he's 5-1 on the morning line, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if he were to float up above that. Um, so if he did, he might be playable as a win, win candidate. So I'll go with the three silver prospector. Silver Prospector looks good. Uh, Steve Asmussen did say that they're pointing for the Razorback. That doesn't mean he can't win here. Joe, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I hate to to jump onto uh, Chris's bandwagon, but I have Silver Prospector as well on top. Um, I, you know, I really thought that, um, you know, he didn't have a, a very good trip in the Clark. He really actually ran, I thought, okay in there. Um, you know, and Ricardo Santana rides him, and I. You know, I, I think this horse is pointed for better, just like you said. I mean, I, again, I, I I always look to try to knock the favorites. I'm sure I'm putting them in the winner circle, but I, I just have a hard time thinking Wells Bayou is pointed to this race. You know, this is a race to get get that horse started for, you know, probably good races at Oakland, at Oakland, and um, uh, you know, so I, I mean, I looked at Silver Prospector and Sonneman being two horses that I uh, was trying to decide between. Um, you know, but I, I think silver prospector, um, he's my pick in here. Okay. Well, I'm, I like silver prospector. I, th this is one case where the weight did have an effect on me. He's carrying significantly more than, uh, the two horses that I'm using in the pick five title ready. I've played him a before on the pod and he didn't quite get up there from, uh, he couldn't catch Mr. Freeze three races ago, but he's, he ran a number that is, would, would, would win this race. And in the classic, he had trouble and was overmatched and he was also in the Clark. So I would toss the last two races. Now he gets back to his best distance, has good spacing from his last big effort which was at a mile and an eighth at Keeneland. And now he's at a mile and 16th where two of his four wins are from he carries only the 118. The only thing I'm concerned about is the, uh, coming from off the pace. I think there may not be a fast pace because Wells Bayou can go out there and Blackberry wine will probably do what he did last race, which is just shade, you know, rate off of the speed, but he did it with slow fractions in his last race and he won handily. So, so I think that that could stop title ready. So I, I would certainly wouldn't single him. The other horse I'm using though is Br Blackberry wine. I, 
think he's going to be bet, so I wouldn't pick him on top. But he's a use. I think he could win the race. He's always been fast, but he hasn't done anything in a stake race. So maybe there is a price to be had on him. So I would go with those two. Uh, the one thing I'll say about Wells Bayou, I, I try to read the DRF scuttlebutt if I get a chance, and I did. Uh, Marcus Hirsch, I like it when they interview the trainer, and Cox said that this horse isn't 100% cranked. He's also uh, carrying top weight. And uh, Brad Cox, four-year-olds and older, on the dirt, 180 days or more off, uh, he hits at 17% with a 084 0.84 ROI. So, so I, I don't have any problem excluding him. And I'm a little bit worried about Silver Prospector, but uh, I'll I'll go skinny with Title Ready and Blackberry Wine. So just to kind of uh, uh, um, respond to a couple of things you guys said. One, um, Title Ready, Scott. I agree. The faster they go, the better his chances. Um, He's going to be coming from quite a bit out of it. So uh, if you're right that Blackberry Wine doesn't push Wells Bayou, that compromises Title Ready's chances. I think Blackberry Wine has to be right on Wells Bayou's flank. That's just the way he runs every single time he runs. And the faster they go, the faster he'll have to go to stay up with them. And that's why I'm not high on Blackberry Wine, just because even if Wells Bayou's not 100%, He's still going to be winging it early. He just might get tired late if he's not fully fit. And I just think that really compromises Blackberry Wine's chances Um, because he's going to have to press a hot pace and then hold off the closers. And I just think that's a big ask for that horse. He's a pretty good horse, but if Wells Bayou was in the race, he's probably the one to beat. But with Wells Bayou, I'm more negative on him. Um, And uh, the... The one horse that Joe mentioned that Scott didn't is the other horse I like besides Silver Prospect and Tyler Reddy, and that's Sonneman. Sonneman's just been real, turned into a really nice horse. And, you know, the only negative for him is that post, he might get caught a little bit wide. And that's actually what happened to Silver Prospector was in the 14 hole in that last race, which was a much better field and was just hung wide, six wide all the way around the track. And they spun out of that final turn with like eight horses across the track. And he was the eighth one out. And he kind of got a little tired because he had run an extra quarter of a mile, but he still beat all the, nobody really passed him. He just, he just kind of lost some ground to the other horses that were, you know, spun out of that turn with him that saved some ground. So I think that rat last race was much better than it looks. And this is actually class relief from that. You know, and his effort was much better than Title Ready's was in that coming out. I think they were both in that race. So, to me, Silver Prospector um, really deserves some respect in here. And I'm just kind of hoping that the pace will take its toll on Blackberry Wine and that Wells Bayou isn't, you know, 100% dead fit. And I think it could really set up for the horses like Silver Prospector and Title Ready and Sonneman. Yeah, I mean, I... I agree. And I think I I landed on Silver Prospector mainly because Ricardo Santana went here off of that trip. I mean, I I like to look at I like to look at trips just like like a lot of people do. He also got which you figure he would. He got a really good thoroughgraph number there is it's probably a lifetime top. And, um, you know, but 
you know, he's had time off and, and I just think silver prospector sitting on a, sitting on his race. And, and I think it will be good enough here. You know, Blackberry wine, he's interesting because he's actually won four races, even though he only gets credit for two, um, you know, and so, but that field he ran against last time was awful. You know, I, I happened to be playing fairgrounds that day and, and I, you know, I remember the race and, just to, it was a day where races were taken off the turf and not that this one was, but it was just, you know, I, I just didn't think it was a field that was, was good enough for this. You know, the other horse I wanted to throw out here is the five Indy Maj. This is the kind of horse that my buddy, Steve Thompson would be on. And, and I usually always dismiss these kind. This is a horse who's getting better and he's winning by open lengths, going two turns at Tampa. His two-turn race at Gulfstream West, uh, you know, was good. Uh, you know, I, I I would think he's closing in this race from probably the back part of the field. Uh, but but this is the kind of horse, like, he could be coming into his own. And he's six years old, but he's only run 15 times. And, and uh, you know... This horse scares the heck out of me. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't mind his thoroughgraph from last time. It was a nice improvement. He would have to move forward again in here, but I, I think he's live in here as well. Uh, and I'm going to include him on, on my ticket. Okay. Well, that's a, a word for the price horse. Uh, he was heavily favored in those two Tampa races. So that's why I'm not quite that interested in him. Optional climbers, 16 and 32,000. Yeah, fair point. But he blew the fields away. And, and I agree, he was he was favored. Um, again, these are the kind of horses I normally don't like. And, and um, you know, I, I, I've gotten a newfound respect for these kind of horses, uh, again, from from uh, from experience. All right. Um, any any other thoughts on this one, Chris, or shall we go to the eleventh? Let's go to the eleventh. All right, to the eleventh. It is. It's the Colonel E. R. Bradley Stakes, a mile and sixteenth on turf, purse of one hundred twenty-five thousand, four-year-olds and up. Joe, what are you thinking here? Well, you know th this race just confounded me. I, there, there's a lot of ways I thought you could go in this race. Um, you know, I landed on the one logical myth, uh, four for five at the track. You know, another horse who looks like he, he's taken his game to a new level now as a five-year-old. Um, it's hard to knock his form out of his last, you know, his last four races. He beat, se you know, several that are in here. And Cross Border is a really nice horse that ran second to him last time. Um, and so I, I landed on I landed on the one logical myth. Okay, logical myth. Uh, definitely improved since he's been gelded. Chris, what did you think? Well, I kind of think logical myth, the time to have, logical time to have him was the last time. I think now he steps up and, and, and I'm, I think he'll get over bet. If he's nine to two, I'm playing against him. Uh, I think there's m many others in here that are more likely to win. He does also pick up weight. Gets a rail though that will help him, but you know he's a horse that I think kind of you know his race, everything went right last time, and you know that was the time to have him. 
Uh, he could completely trip out again in here and win a blanket finish at a price or something, maybe, but um, I'll be against him probably. If this is races a lot like the last one in that there's two horses that look like they should hook up, eight spectacular Jim and 10 sailing solo. They're both good horses. You think that, and they both ran against each other last time and kind of compromised each other. And you would hope that that happens again, but you just never know. One of them riders may decide to take back or they might both be able to slow it down up front. So they're, they're kind of scary, um, both of those horses, but fortunately they're both in the race. So I think there's a chance a horse can come from out of it. And, you know, this will be my uh, pod pick of the week. Um, this is a horse I've been waiting to play for a while. And I'm finally going to get my chance. And that's the two horse, my boy, Jack, who I think has always been cut out to be kind of a turf miler. He started his career on the turf. He was good. He had won a stakes, finished second in another one, actually was in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, only beaten three lengths by Mendelssohn um, as a two-year-old. Uh, they tried him on the dirt, and he ran well. Um, so he got on the Derby Trail, and if you watch you know, his races, he has a really big kick. Um, it's just the kind of the kick you think is perfect for like middle distances on the turf. Uh, a lot of times people see a horse like that and they think, oh, wow, the farther they go, the better he'll be. But that's typically not the case for these horses that make a big late run. They're usually kind of get the starch taken out of their kick when the distances stretch out. Uh, most of the marathon types are more of grinders than horses that kind of settle and then kick home late. And I think these connections were kind of caught up in that that kind of paradigm because they Last year, they were just really intent on having him run, you know, mile and a half, mile and a half, mile and a quarter. And he just flattened out in all those races. Although at the mile and a quarter race once, he only got beat ahead by factor of this. So he does, he did run one pretty good race last year. And, but uh, this year, maybe they figured it out and they're going to let him be a, a middle distance horse on the turf. And he's got a start under his belt. That was a, a pretty tough stakes to start out with off the bench. It was over at Del Mar, and now they kind of takes a class drop here. They ship him to the fairgrounds where DeSormo does pretty well as a trainer. And, you know, I think he draws an inside post, hopefully can get a rail trip, and uh, he'll settle and make that big run like he did when he, he was at his best. And he could score at a monster price in here. So to me, my boy Jack is the pod pick of the week, the number two horse. Well, I will admit I'm going to use him. I looked up second off the layoff, 180 to 360 days for Keith DeSormo. He's eight for 44 with a 375 ROI, mainly due to a 50 to one winner. So I'm well, using plus him. Plus he's really... He's really bad off the bench. So his second off the layoff isn't great, but it's a lot better than his first off the layoff, which is something to keep in mind. Absolutely. So the horse, I was sort of, I looked at the speed of this race and it scared me, but I'm still going to make my top pick sailing solo. I thought he ran a really solid race last. He galloped out best. You know, it was off a bit of a layoff. I doubt that was the, you know, that was the goal. This is more of a goal than the um, 
the Buddy Diliberto. It had to be in prep for this. Um, the pattern says he's about to run, run one of the best races of his life. His best race last year came at the fairgrounds in the race before this race. Um, but that took the starch out of him, so he didn't run well in this particular race. Uh, this time he's going to be on the outside, which I think, you know, when I have speed, I would if there's going to be a duel, I'd rather be on the outside than the inside. So I think it'll fit him tactically. He shook off Spectacular Gem, even based on that layoff, having that layoff. He shook off Spectacular Gem in his last. I think he should be able to do that again. It's going to be a little easier this time. So I think that he can actually blitz this field and run a really big race. There is a chance that there's going to be a lot of speed because Murad is working really fast and he's run near the lead. So there could be a speed duel. So I'm also using big agenda underneath. Uh, you know, I'll use him in the pick five. And I think I would also use all these closers, potential closers, who could pop a big race. If there turns out to be some kind of pace meltdown, I'd be interested in my boy Jack, Murad, Vittori Kin, and even Mr. Misunderstood. Wow, we're all, jump in. Yeah, we're, all, we're all over the place in this race, too. You know, I looked at my boy Jack, and, you know, he just reminds me, I think the horse's name was Dollar Bill way back in the day, that, you know, he, they, they point him in these, um, you know, uh, three-year-old uh, classic races. You know, they point him for that. He makes a big run, and... And they just never seem to to get over the hump. Now, maybe you're right about him being a, a mile and a sixteenth might hit him right right in the eyes because he really doesn't make up any ground in those longer races. Um, at least not in the be in his better ones. He did run well at Ellis in uh, in August, um, and at a big price, I'm definitely not going to uh, you know poo poo a, somebody like in the twenty to one shot um, in the race. You know, and I. I, but but I, I I the horses like Logical Myth are another type of horse. You know I see that he was claimed by for forty thousand. You know and then they they gelded him uh, after one start, and, and they moved to the horse just goes to another level. And and usually again these are the kind of horses that I I tend to overlook that beat me um, consistently, and, and so that's why I landed on him. But, you know, I mean, I could ease We didn't talk about the four horse from Mike Maker, who another guy who tends to beat me like a drum because uh, I play against his horses a lot. You know, I agree with sailing. Sailing solo, I thought ran ran really well and better than Spectacular Jim. Uh, so I, I agree. Uh, sailing solo, it, I, I have to play a forward horse in the race. It's going to be him and include him. Um, you know, I don't. I haven't watched a lot of fairgrounds turf though, admittedly this year to know whether or not the, the course is favoring the deep closers or not, or because the races I've watched replays of the horses seem to be more forward. And so that's where I, um, you know, still think the race will be decided, uh, you know, from the upper half of the field rather than the back. So, so that's kind of how I thought about it. And the rails are going to be down. So that, tends to help the inside and speed. So, you know, the rails are going to be at zero feet. So that's 
another potential factor, but I did agree with you on big agenda. I almost made him my topic. I just switched it. I originally made him my topic and then I switched it to sailing solo just cause I like I like the cut of his jib. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the, the rails down. It's, it, I think it will favor horses on the inside. I don't know. I mean, you know, if a horse gets the lead and the rail, I think it favors them. I don't think it will favor a horse like Sailing Solo, who will be pressing the horse on the rail. That or that wouldn't be, I think, ideally you want to be on the rail. I think it could help closers. And typically when you drop the rails down, it helps the closers because there's just more room on the turf course. And, and uh, you know, in general although it favors close not favors but it, it helps closers when they they put you know the, take the rails down on the turf courses doesn't not necessarily always but it especially in this case just that clean grass you know fresh grass probably is the place you want to be um, if you can get over there um, one horse that neither one of you mentioned was split the wickets that's was the other horse i like in here besides my boy jack another horse that could be a big price and um you know that this horse has just consistently improved its entire career you know it's been equally good on turf and dirt it's you know really in the best form of its life right now and like i said it's never really it, it's one of these horses that just slowly and steadily it gets better with every race and uh there's no reason why that horse couldn't win this race uh, and it should be a big price. And it's one that will be coming from farther back. But to me, split the wickets definitely fits in here at a price. Well, like you say, he should get the setup. I mean, he definitely should get a setup. Um, yeah, that's why I say this race confounded me because I could I could sit here and I think give you a case for pretty much every horse in the race. <laughs> well, I'm going to I'm going to. Uh... I'm going to add split the wickets to my ticket. Uh, hey, split the wickets. Put them on your tickets. <laughs> the only thing I didn't like is that he peaked out last year at Churchill, and they took him off for six months, and he came back, and, and he continued to run well. So I thought maybe since his last race was such a big number on dirt that that might be his peak. But we don't really know that. He, they took the break. They they could have taken that break for any number of reasons. And now there's there, maybe he's doing so well. They're like, Hey, let's keep running him. So I'll, I'll add him to the ticket because uh, his numbers do scare me. Uh, and just two notes. I think the three captivating moon who it probably fits in here, but they always scratch out of the turf. They always cross enter this horse every time they have these big cards at fairgrounds and they always scratch out of the turf race unless it comes off the turf. So you can assume the three is out. And I think the 11, Miss, Miss, Mr. Misunderstood, I think I read somewhere that he retired. So he's probably scratched, assuming he is retired. Um, so probably the, <laughs> three, the three and the 11 are not going to uh, run in this race. All right. Well, I'll save okay. a little money on my ticket. Let's move to the 12th race. It's the Silver Bullet Day, mile and 70 yards on dirt. Purse of one hundred fifty thousand for three-year-old fillies. Chris, what are you thinking? Well, I might surprise some of the the frequent pod listeners because I'm going to be really chalky in here. I mean, the the last time we talked about a fairgrounds card, there was a horse named Prate 
trained by Brad Cox and homebred owned by Judmont Farms that I thought was a standout. Um, be, and if you look at the Judmont Cox two-year-old and three-year-olds on the dirt, the numbers are just off the charts. I mean, they've won 11 of the last 21 over the last year, 19 out of 21. That's that's not a an error. 19 of 21 have hit the board. Um, the Sun Path is just one of those, and she's a full to Bonnie South, who's a really good stakes horse. Last race, she actually broke through the gate before the race, which is typically an auto toss because they always let them run and they never run a jump. And she just galloped, even though she broke through the gate before the race. I think she's just an absolute standout. And I know a lot of people are high on the one super sensational. Um, and maybe she's really good. And these, you know, this time of year, these three-year-olds can can really run, you know, improved races. But to me, you know, she's making her first route, first time on the dirt. Um, uh, I'm hoping that she takes a lot of money and that and Sunpath, you know, isn't three to five or four to five or something in here because I think Sunpath should be able to crush this field. So I'm real chalky in here. I'm gonna single the nine in the pick five. Uh the Judmont, Brad Cox, well bred Sunpath. Okay, Sunpath. I, I, I knew you were gonna do that. <laughs> I almost did that, but I found an alternative. Joe, where were you landing here? Yeah, I mean, this this was the race. I I, I mean, I try to beat Brad Cox almost every time, um, especially I, I don't like short prices in these young horses going two turns for the first race. I, the number of turns is a big deal to me. Um, you know, the nine beat a four horse field last time and and broke through the gate, but was one to nine in a four horse field and you know, should have been lower. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know what kind of competition is there, but, but I just have a hard time. You know, there's just no way I could, could bet against the nine. I wouldn't single for the only reason that, you know, I do have a few questions just on the standpoint that it was just a four horse field that she was expected to crush. And she did despite breaking through the gate. Um, you know, and so, I looked at the five princess theorem as a horse who's, uh, who's run a couple times going two turns and, um, you know, ran against grade two company last time, you know, clearly, uh, uh, better fields than, than anybody else in here. Uh, I mean, he would have to, she would have to improve an awful lot to be competitive probably with, um, sun path, but I think I would use the five and the nine in here. I, I'm going to have to lean to sun path being my top pick. If we're forced to pick one, um, you know, I, I just um, I just have a hard time seeing seeing this Brad Cox horse lose. The last thing I would say about it is I really like when they improve just a little bit, you know, because she could still be she's still sitting on a forward move. Uh, and, and so um, I, I have a hard time being against the nine as well. What, what numbers are you looking at for the small improvement? Well, I was looking at the buyers. The okay. 82 to 84. So she won by 12, but she didn't, she didn't improve. She didn't go to in the nineties. She improved by 82 to 84 in a, in a paid workout, you know? So I still think she's sitting forward. I mean, I, I know her thoroughgraphs move forward. Um, 
she went eight to four, which is a big improvement on thoroughgraphs. Um, but okay. Well, anyway, hey, that's the way I was going to land. I was I was all set to get on the Judmont two-year-old with Brad Cox and Florent Giroux bandwagon. But then I then I saw a race by Little Stitches, and she also ran two turns for the first time in her last race. She got a number that's about the same as uh, Sunpath. In fact, her number's better on time form. She was last place. Uh, bigger field, I think it was about eight horses. Uh, she absolutely romped, and she not only romped, but she galloped out monstrously. It was her first time on Lasix, other than her debut, which I always toss the horses complete the first race, no matter what, unless it's great. But uh, if it's bad, it doesn't mean anything to me. She's working fine since that race. She's by Go Zapper out of a quality road mare. And I think she should be able to run all day. Um, now, I think there's a little bit of sprinty breeding somewhere in there. But, um, you know, I, I, that race was pretty good. And, and at the same number, basically the same figure as Sunpath. But Sunpath is going to be like three to five. And Little Stitches is looking at like six to one for Tom Amos. That's the one I'm going with. And I will use Sunpath in the pick five only like without other favorites. Um, but but I'll really lean on Little Stitious. So a couple of things to add on. First of all, I think Little Stitious is interesting. I think more as an underneath to beat Super Sensational. If you want to play the verticals, you know, play an exact to Sunpath over Little Stitious, try to beat Super Sensational. I think there's some value there. But you mentioned the LASIK thing, and I forgot to bring that up because it's very interesting in this race in particular. And this is going to kind of drive hand, uh, uh, the horse players crazy for the next three or four months. But in, at the fairgrounds this year, you can run on LASIK, even in, in stakes races. You know, they pretty much – except if you want to run in the derby and for you want to get into the derby and you want to earn derby points in the, in the derby preps, you can't run on LASIK. And Little Stitious was Lasix on in that Delta Downs race. And keep in mind, that was at Delta Downs, that big race. Um, now off Lasix. And Sunpath, who's never been on Lasix, is off Lasix. But if you look at most of these other horses, they're going from Lasix to off Lasix, including, you know, the heavy second choice, super sensational. Now, what that means, I'm not sure. For most horses, I think it makes them run a little slower because – uh, they they lose a lot of weight because it's a diuretic, and I think it's usually worth a few lengths at this distance regardless. But, you know, some of them might even be, you know, bleed somewhat, and it might actually, you know, right. improve the performance Didn't you, even more. Did you say that Little Stitches is not running on Lasix? Right. They, they, they're they Lasix that? off. Where uh, is that? Uh, well, oh, probably in, in, in any PPs I will tell you I see it in that. Time Form US. I do not see it in Racing Form. And I well, don't it'll it, show that it might not say Lasix off, but it'll show that they're not running on Lasix, and you'll have to look and see that they didn't run on that they did run on Lasix in their prior race. So, are you talking because this is Philly? So, um, are we talking about? Well, it'll be for the Oaks points. Same so thing, Oaks, yeah. So you're saying yeah. I didn't know about that rule. You're saying that for the Derby, 
Uh, this is uh, I, I know there were wacky rules, but for yeah, the well, derby. this is the wackiest one of them all is if you want to earn points for the Derby and Oaks and you're right, this is an Oaks race. So I, I apologize for that. But the Derby Oaks points, you know, you earn points to qual, you know, to be able to get in the starting gate, especially the Derby. It's a big deal. The Oaks, maybe not quite as much, but um, they're Lasix off for that. Now, I think they can if they want in Louisiana run on Lasix. And I'm trying to see if anybody's on it. Um, Maybe not. Maybe this. I had. I'd have to look at the conditions of the race. But I definitely know that most of these horses are going off Lasix when they were on it last time. Sunpath is an exception. They've been thinking Oaks from the beginning, and they have never used Lasix. So you're not. You don't have to worry about that with her. You know she can run her race without it. The others are a question mark. So that's even another reason that Sunpath is kind of a standout in here. And then the the uh, the one negative is the, the gate issues because she's actually hasn't been really quick out of the gate in any of her races and she acted up last time. So, you know, that's the one concern. I think that's the one chink in the armor, but maybe to counter that is the karma factor in that Khalid Abjula, who, you know, is kind of the founder, I think of Judmont passed away this week. So, you know, this might be karma week for Judmont. Um, not that that matters much from a handicapping perspective, but, um, you know, that, that Lasix thing, I think, could really come into play in this race and and in some of these other Triple Crown preps where they've been running in a jurisdiction like uh, Louisiana where you can run on Lasix. Now, in California and in, in, I think, New York and Florida, the other main areas, I'm not sure what the Kentucky rules are, they are running without Lasix in all stakes races. So it probably won't matter that much unless they're stepping up from like an allowance or a maiden race. So um, anyway, just keep that in mind. And I think that's another reason why Sunpath is probably, you know, a very strong favorite in here. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't know any of those rules. I did catch the fact that little Stitches was on Lasix last time and, and not, nobody's on Lasix in this race. And so I, you know, immediately look to go, you know, put a mark against anybody who ran on Lasix the last time, which is why I landed on the five as my alternative, because he didn't run on Lasix or she didn't run on Lasix in any of her starts and um, and has two turn experience and a win. And that that was kind of why I thought about her um, versus and any of these others. You know, the thing about Little Stitious, though, that is interesting, and and the, the Lasix probably uh, benefited her. I find it strange. I found it strange. And again, I don't follow Delta all that closely, uh, which is to say I don't follow it at all. But but she goes <laughs> to Delta having won a race at Keeneland and goes off three to one and was the third choice in the field. And so it must have been a, a decent enough field that a Tom Amos horse didn't take money at Delta. Uh, you know, off a win at Keeneland and, um, you know, and then she airs and wins by 10. So, you know, that was a plus to me. Uh, but again, I, 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 I don't toss her completely, I, but, but having run on Lasix and run off the screen on Lasix last time um, was a reason why I, I didn't talk about her. Well, I, you know, I, um, I respect that opinion, Chris, and I, you know, it's. I'm glad you mentioned it, and it's certainly a reason why you shouldn't go to town on Little Stitches. But if I got off the horse for that reason and it won, 
I'd kill myself. So I'm still sticking with little stitches. Yeah, I'm gonna be just, a little stitches here. Yeah, and back it up underneath Sunpath. I think that's there's nothing wrong with that bet. And 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 you're getting value by beating Super Sensational even if you run second. So, uh, you know that I think is a way to play that. You know, you don't only just have to play the pick five. You know, you could bet this race and use that horse. Uh, we didn't mention a three horse Charlie's Penny, which I think is the other horse besides Little Stitches that might be able to get in second and beat Super Sensational. You know, Charlie's Penny hasn't gone a route yet, but horse has okay route breeding. It'll be forwardly placed, might even be on the lead in here. And it's run some good races despite some less than ideal trips. In fact, all its races, it had to overcome some trouble. So the three horse Charlie's Penny, you know, if they don't send Super Sensational and, and Charlie's Penny can go out there and get the lead, um, might be able to hang on for a second and uh, and um, you know key a, a nice exact. I will have to look at the Charlie's Penny's races. You're right; there are uh, trouble marks, uh, at least on the last two races. Well, and I thought even the four, like if you if you go by Sunpath in this race, this race becomes way more uh, uncertain, right? And and uh, the, the four is supposed to scratch. Yeah, the six and the four. That's why I didn't write them down, right? The four is supposed to. And so is the six, right? Yeah, they would both be interesting underneath, I think, if they weren't scratching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, All right. Well, it's not your fault that they let them cross enter and you never have any idea. If it wasn't for Marcus Hirsch's tweets uh, or Scott's text messages to me, I'd have no idea they were scratching. Yeah, Scott. Thanks, Scott. Uh, Yeah. Same. I, you know, I, 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 I follow Marcus Hirsch. He's, he's texting these trainers. So uh, if he's saying it, I'm reading it. I'm writing it down. Let's go to the 13th. It's the LeCompte stakes, grade three mile and 16th on dirt purse of 200,000 for three-year-olds. One of the first preps of the year, Joe, what do you think? Yeah. So, I mean, I, this is another race where I see, you know, a lot of, a lot of pace, you know, could really develop in here, uh, especially with a number of these horses, you know, going two turns for the first time. Um, so I landed on the two Arabian Prince for Dallas Stewart. I thought, um, you know, this is a horse he, he ran, he ran pretty well. I mean, he, he didn't, he didn't really have trouble or anything in those, in the Churchill race that I watched the, the Kentucky, uh, race last at the grade two last time. Um, but I thought he finished up pretty well. And, um, you know, he, I, I, I made him my top pick coming from off the pace. Okay. That's, uh, that's a solid pick. I thought he had a pretty tight trip most of the way. Once the opening happened, he didn't really have as an, an, that much kick compared to the top two. However, those top two aren't here. Chris, what did you think? Well, I'm going to sound really boring because this is like just rinse and repeat. Everything I said about Sunpath, I'll say about Mandelown. And so, you know, Cox, Judmont, two-year-old uh, horse is, I just think, a monster. And um, I'm going to be real boring and just say single Mandelown and uh, single Sunpath and then look for prices in the first three legs of the pick three, uh, pick five. That's 
kind of the way I see this sequence. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna land on a price play. I wouldn't I wouldn't exclude Mandelown. And there's a way I can play this pick five for like under seventy bucks and still uh, have it with Mandelown and still have it with Sunpath, but not with both of them. So I'm counting on one of them uh, not winning. The horse I landed on is a six game day play who is coming from off the beaten path track, uh, Remington Park. I like the pattern into this race. He won his last despite being really wide the whole way. He closed from last, and you always like to see that. Since then, his works have been, like, fantastic. And, you know, with William Brett Calhoun, he – when his horses start working fast, like By My Standards and Mr. Money and uh, uh, forgetting one of them uh, from the last couple of years, but they they run well, you know, and, and his workouts have been like on another level. And his last race was not even his fastest uh, fig, but it was at seven furlongs. I think he can improve back to his best fig and actually possibly run better than that. I just think he's a, a possible price play. I'm a little worried about him being out of a Kuvi mare. Usually those are sprinter types. However, he has a sibling that was faster on uh, faster routing who was by Scat Daddy. So I think he just – I. I, I don't know. The workouts, you know, they make a difference. The, one of the reasons I look at workouts, I like to see if there's a change in character. And the, this horse all of a sudden just started working fast five furlong works and bullets. And um, so I'm going to take a stab. And I would, uh, you know, I, I have a few others that I'm sort of interested in, but I'll, uh, I'll throw it to you guys. Go ahead and jump in, Joe. Well, yeah, so – you know, I looked at game day play, and I guess I got all, and those works are tremendously good. Um, HTR is going to love those works. Uh, you know, the, the, it's the Lasix thing again that got me, you know, off this horse. Um, I wanted to make a case for him as an off the pace horse, and and was why I ended up landing on on the two as my top pick. Um, you know, I think Mandelown. I, I, I again. This is a horse who's going to be a very short price going two turns for the first time. And, and, you know, he has every right to get two turns on anything about the breeding or any of that kind of stuff, but just relying on short prices, doing something to me that I, I put a lot of weight, a lot of factor into um, was why I had to decide in my own head when I play the pick five, do I want to lean on Sunpath or do I lean on Mandelon? And, and that's why I chose Sunpath as the place to lean you have to use this horse in a pick five i'll have to use this horse in a pick five um you know that said i tried to make a case also for the seven uh santa cruiser you know now he's going for two turns for the first time as well you know but like you you pointed out with keith DeSormo, i mean his horses are going to improve as they get more racing and and you can see this one doing that he could be sitting on a on a nice race here as well and so, um, you know, I I used him as my third horse in here. I, I've got uh, the two, seven, and ten as my uh, my pick five horses. Yeah, that um, 
on the game day play, that one, I there's conflicting signals because he is one of the few in here that is going Lasix off, which is a negative. And the breeding's just terrible for route. I mean, violence and QV, they're just not, that's not route breeding at all. But the, um, the works and the trainer, I and mean, this horse looks a lot like by my standards did last year in Louisiana where, you know, all of a sudden it just starts working lights out. Um, but I have a feeling this horse's best races aren't going to be two turns. Um, and that, you know, distance limitations might come into play, but I think it's ready to run a good race. I just, um, don't know if it can improve enough to win, especially going two turns for the first time off that breeding and without the, the, the Lasix. So, I would, th I, I could see using that horse. I don't know about playing it to in the pick five, but more of the, as an underneath um, play. I kind of agree that um, uh, Santa Cruiser is, or did it, or, uh, that Santa Cruiser is, you know, an interesting horse from off the pace and improving type. And same with Arabian Prince that you like, Joe. Um, nobody has mentioned Midnight Bourbon. You know, that's another horse who uh, is probably the second choice right on the morning line and and draws the rail and it's Asmussen Santana. So there's no reason why it couldn't run well. But it does seem like Joe said there's a lot of speed in here, although the three horse beep beep is supposed to scratch, as is the nine horse manor house. So that's a lot of that speed that and the scratched. 11 and the 11 oh, and the 11 dynamite. So that's a lot of speed that scratches out. So that might help Midnight Bourbon some on the front end. Uh, and it's, you know, it's legitimate that Mandelown hasn't been the distance, although it, it certainly bred to run well at the distance. Um, and it's workouts, even if they haven't been blazing fast recently, I think that's by design. Um, the workouts this horse was having before its debut were just crazy you know, 59 flat from the gate workout, that kind of stuff. I mean, I think this horse is genuinely a talent. Um, probably not as much of a lock as Sun Path. Uh, so I agree with Joe there, but I still think it's kind of a standout in here. Wait, uh, Mandelown, you, uh, when you were talking about the super fast workouts. Yeah, Mandelown. Yeah, Mandelown okay. is the okay. one who, even though his most recent works haven't been super fast, I think it's because you know, they're stretching him out. They don't want him keyed up, you know, yeah, and yeah. It's, they're just trying to get him to finish strong. But back when they were, you know, key, you know, um, getting, you know, getting the speed and getting ready for a sprint debut, he was just freaky fast. So, you know, I think he's got that in the tank, but he's shown the ability to overcome trouble. He's shown the ability to rate off the pace and he's certainly bred to stretch out and has a trainer that's good at stretching him out. So, I mean, there's a lot of positives there, I think. I just think he's the best horse. He's the one horse in this field that might be, you know, a legitimate uh, derby horse. So, uh, this is your yeah. chance to get him, you know, single him in the pick five and maybe make some money that way. Although he's certainly not invincible. And I, I, could, I wouldn't blame anybody for taking a shot against him. I'm a little worried that he's going to be overbet. So I will, again, like I would use him because if I get everything else right, I don't want to like go down with uh, Brad Cox, Giroux, Judmont. What, you know, what uh, the thing is, he's probably going to be more like two to one. Um, but I do have a couple of comments on <clears throat> other horses. First one is Midnight Bourbon. 
this horse has some serious breeding. His three siblings are cocked and loaded, who was a fast, fast sprinter. Gervin, who was, I think he won the Haskell. And Pirate's Punch, who's still running and running pretty well. So, and uh, they're pretty high on the horse. He's got good, solid numbers from like September and October. So I, I, I wouldn't leave him off the ticket. And I, I think, I think Mandelown may be a little bit overbet. Um, and then I'm also interested in regular guy. I just kind of like the feel of his line. Um, he's improved every race. I just, I, 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 you know, maybe I'm spending too much money because I'm so skinny later. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to do it. And then, and then Santa Cruiser, I'm also interested in. So I think that either Santa Cruiser or regular guy could pop a big one. And, um, I guess I liked Mandelown's last race, but it didn't blow me away or anything. Well, you know, you said Santa Cruz, a regular guy. Well, Santa Cruiser actually beat regular guy, um, earlier and regular guy. You talked about breeding, you know, he's a half to Carpe Diem and Farrell. Those are two really nice horses. So, you know, from a breeding standpoint, and he's been working well, so mm-hmm. yeah, but he's another one who's going Lasix off, which is, a uh, is, uh, the, you know, the negative. Yeah, I mean, I, the thing about Mandelown, I completely agree, uh, Chris. I mean, he's the derby horse out of this race, uh, you know, and it, it, he's got every right to run run a big race. I just think he's going to be even lower than two to one. I, you know, I I, I think this horse is seven to five, eight to five in here. Um, you know, and it wouldn't stun me to see him see him be even money. These Brad Cox horses, they take a lot of money when they're when they're very live, and they usually deliver. Um, and so I, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be short. He also has got a, a thoroughgraph number that's better than everybody. Uh, and so I, I'd, I'd be stunned if you saw three to one on this horse in this field. Um, but I absolutely, you know, absolutely agree. I, absolutely agree. Yeah. He'll, he'll be a terrible win bet, but yeah. I don't know if he'll be, you know, three to five in the pick five. Maybe. Well, no, I, but, I don't think so either. I, you know, and I, I don't want to keep, keep touting my two horse i just think he's going to be 10 to 1 or more like if he's 6 to 1 he's probably not he's probably not good i just made him a higher price in my own head and thought that um you know at that price i'd i'd give him a chance uh you know given the possible knock on on the favorite um you know i this midnight bourbon i i spent some time looking at him and i you know i i just think that um you know, the rate, the pace, the race shape doesn't necessarily favor him. And he's not, he's not able to finish. Now, again, these are one turn miles, the Churchill and Belmont, you know, and so, but, but he's losing ground. And so that's why I kind of, at a short price, you know, a shortish price, I, I was, um, I was happy to be against him. And I do, do like a regular guy. I, I didn't like that he, he declined on a speed figure so significantly when he stretched to two turns and got Lasix. And so that's why I ultimately, um, but, but a 10 to one shot, I'm never going to be, you know, say, Oh, but there's no way he can win kind of thing. He, he's obviously uh, a player. If, if Mandelon doesn't, doesn't run on his race. Yeah, I think I totally, I don't disagree with anything you said from a, you know, if Arabian Prince, 
maybe does float above that odds, it might be a good win play in here. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is Brad Cox tends to like get red hot on days like this, you know, like at a, at a Oaklawn or a Fairgrounds or Keeneland or Churchill on these stakes races, loaded cards. And it's not unusual for him to win, you know, half the half the stakes. So yeah, that's why that I wouldn't get too. too excited about this pick five. That's why my play will be pretty low because yeah. Sunpath Sunpath looks like you know Sunpath is the horse that's like three to five in the pick five, and Mandelown and maybe is even money in the pick five. But they could both win, and the whole thing could pay twenty three bucks. It could, but that's not the way to play it, right? So, so I mean, I'll tell you how I'll play the pick five. I'm going to single those two, and I'm going to make it a pick three, but I'm going to have prices in the other legs. I mean, and I think I have some live horses. I mean, like my boy Jack, you get him in there, that'll juice it up. And even Zant, you know, Zanthic or Silver Prospector. I mean, there's other price horses in here in those first three legs. So the way I'm going to play it is just try to catch a price in those early ones, and it won't be a very big I and I can, you know, play play it for several dollars and without a big ticket because you know when you're singling the last two legs, uh you can um and you and you and you're aggressive in your other picks, there's a chance to make a pretty good score. It won't be, you know, off the charts, but you can have it for more than a buck um and make some money on it. That's the way I'm gonna play it. Yeah, I mean I, I think um I think uh, the last two races are the reason why, you know, I would try to be against Delika in the first race, even though I think she's a likely winner, uh, or you know, has a has a the best chance out of the field to win. But just that, you know, the place I will use Delika, I usually make a couple of tickets, and so uh, in spots in those earlier races. Uh, where I use Delica, I'll be against these two Brad Cox horses. And, um, you know, if I get lucky and, and, uh, and connect against them, I mean, this pick five will pay a ton if you beat those two Brad Coxes. Now, what are the odds of that? Not very high, probably that they both go down. Um, but, but if they do, and they're both, um, well, Sunpath, it's kind of hard to knock. I think Mandelown, uh, who also will probably win, um, you know, you have a little bit better chance of beating, um, you know, but, but that's how you, that's how these pick fives blow up is when you beat w one of these, you know, low priced, one of these low priced horses. So, you know, your way, Chris is, a, is another way of doing it and you can do it relatively cheap. If you, you know, by singling those two, um, you know, you, you don't generally see these pick fives blow up when you have two really strong, but that's why you have to have it multiple times. It, yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. I'm not playing it. You can do it two ways. You can play it to blow up, which is what I usually do. Um, and then in that case, I would play against both the Coxes and I would, you know, just um, play for a, a big score. Mm -hmm. Or you can say it it's going to chalk out at the end and you want to catch some prices before. It won't be a, you know, five figure but you might get, you know, five hundred to a thousand dollar pick five and have it multiple times. Uh, if you know, if you could beat Secret Message and Delica in the first leg, and you beat Blackberry Wine and Wells Bayou in the second leg, you're probably going to have a decent payout, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. if you have that multiple times, you can make a pretty good score. Mm -hmm. So that you could do it either way. But you, what you want, what you don't want to do, and this is what lots of people do, is try to split the difference and play it both ways, and then. Long term, you just never are going to win that way. 
Yeah, not on the same ticket. Right. I right. Think you, see, I think you can make a, a backup ticket to your logic of, of singling those two. Uh, and then you can make a backup ticket that that tosses one or both or goes, you know, now you don't go deep. But but I think you can make a backup ticket relatively uh, cheap that that if you're right about who you think the alternatives are to those two, um, you know, you, you could catch something really nice because beating one or both of those is is how this thing can pay a lot. Yeah, as long as you don't start spreading too much everywhere. You know, if you if you play eight horses in each of the last two legs and four or five in the other legs. Um, hoping to catch a price then as a backup ticket you're just losing long term you know you got to take a stand but if you can play a small backup ticket sure you know that i i'm not against that at all that, yeah uh, i mean that's, that's right I, mean, I do like silver prospector and i you know and I, i'm looking at this race with logical myth the the 11th race where again i think you could go a lot of ways i would go deep in that race when i'm using Sunpath and and mandalown more prominently but I would try to narrow that race uh, when I'm trying to beat those, when I'm trying to beat, beat those two. Um, and, and I do like Silver Prospector, who I would lean on. And I, I would have to go pretty deep in the Delica race. Um, and like I said, I'm using Joy at before on top. But but I would have to use a bunch in there, um, you know, to, to get through that race. It's an interesting pick five if you if you think you can beat the one or both of those two uh, at the end. Um, it's not all that interesting otherwise, uh, is how I looked at it. Okay, well, uh, I think we've uh, sliced and diced that pick five pretty much. Did you guys get a chance to see, uh, uh, handicap the other races, any other plays on the undercard? I did not. I looked at the other stakes race on the card, the third race. It's a turf sprint. Um, it's a you can make a case for all of them. I think, I think the morning line is off on the race. I think just might is going to be the fate. He and our Arcadus, those will be two pretty heavy favorites in there and they're both pretty good, but I I've always liked a couple of horses that are in that race that might be able to score to price. One is too fast boat who um, they take the blinkers off for this race. And he had a good workout since his last. So I'm assuming that was without the blinkers. And I think, you know, his best race would win this. And he's nine to two in the morning line, but I think he could float up. And then there's also a a bigger price, the three horse real money, who has had a lot of tough trips. And I think, you know, he has, he's better than his form looks. And he might be ready to run a good race in here, and he could be a really big price. So I like the two fast boat and the three real money in the third at Fairgrounds, the Dunker F. Skinner stakes. Well, I'm definitely interested in real money. I, I didn't handicap it, but uh, just taking a glance at his numbers, he definitely interests me. But I won't make it a spot play because I haven't handicapped. So, you know, I, 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 I said I didn't look at any races. I did. I did. You know, scroll through the P, the PPs on a number of these races. And the one thing that caught my eye in this race, and again, I haven't handicapped it in in detail, you know, to give out a pick necessarily. But Maniwa was a horse who caught my attention, mainly because he's first time turf, and he does come from off the pace in a race that seems to have a lot of speed in it. Um, you know, and so I'd, I'd want to do some more work, but. 
I don't think he's going to be five to one. I, I don't see how he's possibly five to one in this field. Uh, meaning I think he'll be a lot higher. And and so that that would be one I'd want to do a little work on in this race. Yeah, I think he's definitely a possibility. And if he did float up above the morning line, he could be playable as well. He's got good dirt for him. He's run okay on poly or synth. Um, mm-hmm. But he, uh, you know, the, the turf's a little bit of a question mark. It's kind of late in his career to be going on the turf. So you wonder about that a little bit. But still, he's very consistent on dirt. He doesn't win a lot, but he's been running against good horses and, and he pounds out pretty good speed figures every time he. He runs, so no reason why he couldn't have a chance in there. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Okay, well, on that note, I will thank our guest, Joe Curry. Joe, thanks for capping with us. I appreciate it, guys. Enjoyed it very much, and uh, keep up the great the great work. I, I uh, it, this was fun. Thanks. All right, it, it always is, and we love having our guests for their perspective. That will conclude show number 103 of the Sport of Kings pod. Good luck in the Fairgrounds Pick 5. Good luck if you are in the Pegasus Contest on Sport of Kings. And please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout. I'll see you on Sport of Kings. Cheers. Giddy up. <laughs>